a little faith goes a long way. Like just, God, I've got this tiny little thing to offer. I know it's not much. The odds are insurmountable. People are probably going to think I'm crazy or silly or Mm. goofy. But here it is. What can you do with it? And just giving him your full faith and Mm. will and just saying, I, despite everything, here you go. I'm going to let you take what little I have and use it. You're listening to If That Makes Sense. It's Family Life's podcast where we talk about what life is like as young adults following Jesus. My name's Tim, and I'm in Family Life's radio department. My name is Mary, and I work in radio production here at Family Life. My name is Jesse, and I also work in radio production here at Family Life. We are in John chapter 6, and we are going to look today at a really familiar episode from Jesus' ministry. One of the events, I have to say in scripture, that I have tried more times than I can count to envision in my head. Mm. And I just can't picture what the feeding of the 5,000 actually looked like. I don't know if it was one loaf of bread that kept tearing, or rather five loaves, as we'll see, or if people just had miraculously small appetites. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they were filled by just a little, but they had 12 we, baskets exactly, of leftovers. Exactly. So we actually do know it couldn't have been that. So it was a miracle though, and we're going to read about it. John chapter six, verses one through 15 is where we're going today. And uh, I'll start us off. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew that he was in, what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in a number about five thousand. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. It's so familiar of a story, but when I read it, there are at least three question marks that pop up in my head. Mm. I'm just wondering, what makes you want to do a double take when you read this? It could be different for each of us. I have always wondered what led to this kid coming up and offering his lunch for everybody. Like, did they do a big roll call and start saying like, hey, if anybody has food, can we get some food? Like, we want to feed everybody. Uh, was he, you know, maybe a a friend of a friend or somebody's nephew or something who knew what the problem was? He had like insider information. I I don't know. But what led to that act of faith? And how old was this kid too? What led? Yeah. Was he five? Was he 12? You know? Hmm. 
what led to the lad coming up, as Mary's version said. The lad. <laughs> yes. Lad. yes. <laughs> well, in, in my version, it also seems to imply that Andrew knew about this kid and was like, hey, this kid has some food. I know it's not like even close to enough or even like barely enough for like one kid, but like maybe, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. was, was he like, uh, I mean, this is kid. He's got like five loaves and some fish. I mean, we can, we can make that work, right? <laughs> well, and it's also hard. Like my, the thing that I have to do a double take on is 5,000 people. I cannot even begin to imagine what that looks like. Yeah. When they sit down, the men number yeah. to 5,000. So yeah. that's just the guys. Right. That's not even like the women and children who are, I'm sure, also there because they were following him for healing because he was doing miraculous signs mm-hmm. of healing the sick. So, like, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As if 5,000 wasn't enough. Right. <laughs> that's not even the full number. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And if we're working with a miracle... He can feed 5,000. He can feed 5 million if he wants. Mm -hmm. But it's that much more staggering for the human imagination to look at the group of people and uh, for Philip to basically answer him, look, like an entire year's worth of wages or, um, you know, basically a year's worth of wages wouldn't cover this. Both of what you were scratching your heads over is exactly the thing I scratch my head over every time. Um, It's... It's specifically Andrew. Why? (laughs) (laughs) What was going on? (laughs) I get that the kid could have been like out of the goodness of his heart, you know, wanting to do something. Oh, that's so sweet. Look what he wants to do. You know, like the kid who wants to give there from their piggy bank for the big fundraiser. And maybe it's one of those scenarios. I don't know. But what I do not understand <laughs> is why Andrew even thought to bring it up. Like, he's like, well, like, because if he had faith in Jesus, right. he would have just been like, Jesus, there's a child with a small amount of food. But we know, Lord, you can make it grow. Yeah. If he had enough faith, he would have just said that. Yeah. But he's like somewhere in the middle of having faith and not really because he's like, <laughs> well, if you need the suggestion, Jesus, there's this kid. But I also don't want to look dumb. So right. I will I will heavily qualify this and say what are they for so many? What are what are a right, few loaves right. for so many? Well, and another thing that I get caught up on sometimes is was that kid the only person, the only individual to have brought food with him? Oh. That, right. That, I mean, he doesn't mention my, anyone else. No. It's like out of 5,000 people, I find it very hard to believe that he was the only person who brought food. Hmm. But at the same time, it also provides just like a really cool opportunity for God to be like, yeah, that's enough. Mm-hmm. I think that somebody, whether it was the kid or whether it was Andrew or whether it was just the story God knew would 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 happen after this whole event had run its course, somebody was thinking about Elisha. I missed this. Guys, I totally missed that there's this connection to the Old Testament here. That this is like, uh, um, and y- you're smiling, Mary. So I don't know if you like rediscovered this as well. I totally forgot that a very similar miracle happens in the Old Testament. Yeah, I was, when I was doing a little bit of research this morning, I was, I came across that story. I didn't dig too deeply into it, but just like the fact that there is 
a much smaller version of this miracle in the Bible is really cool. I can read it. I, I grabbed the I grabbed the text from Bless it. Bless you. So yes, thank you. <laughs> you came prepared. Second Kings four has it for you, starting in verse forty two, that a man came from Baal Shalashah. And he brought the man of God, twenty. the man of God here is Elisha. He brought the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread. They had been baked from the first grain that had ripened. The man also brought some heads of new grain. Give this food to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I put this in front of 100 men, his servant asked. Now, this guy is a little bit maybe like Andrew. He's like, well, how could we put this in front of so many people? But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat. Do it because the Lord says they will eat and have some left over. Hmm. Then the servant put the food in front of them. They ate it and had some left over. It happened just as the Lord had said it would. This is really cool. Wow. This is all of a sudden super cool. cool Because now you're thinking, um, forgive me for doing some imagination here, but if the little boy is remembering this miracle and he brings it up to Jesus' people and it's like, can can he make the food go farther? And then Andrew is like, well, yeah, sure. I know that story too. I'm a good Jew also. But kid, that was 20 loaves for 100 people. This is five loaves for 5,000 people. Do the math, kid. But again, if God's going to do a miracle, he can do a miracle. Uh So it's interesting. Andrew knew we've got the fodder for a miracle here, but we've never seen a miracle on this magnitude. Right. I'd love to say the kid didn't care. But at the same time, I'm, you know, that the kid that the kid didn't care that the odds looked insurmountable, that he knew if God wanted to multiply, he could. But I digress a little too much into imagination to think of what this kid could have been thinking. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe he had just learned about it in like Jewish Sunday school yeah, or whatever. He's like, oh, right, I bet right. this can happen. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it's we'll write our own episode of The Chosen here. There you go. And we'll just <laughs> fanfic go. this into reality. <laughs> <laughs> Bible fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's crossing into some dangerous territory. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I I think it, either way, whatever the kid was thinking, I think it just goes to show, both for the kid and for Andrew even, that a little faith goes a long way. Like just, God, I've got this tiny little thing to offer. I know it's not much. The odds are insurmountable. People are probably going to think I'm crazy or silly or mm. goofy. But th- here it is. What can you do with it? And just giving him your full faith and will and just saying i you know despite everything here you go i'm gonna let you take what little i have and use it and i think that's something that we all can apply to our own lives in one way or another maybe not feeding five thousand people but Hmm. in similar ways god can do a lot with just a willing heart Hmm. you know yep and that faith isn't talked about as something to have um have to have a big quantity of that Jesus says even a little bit of faith if it's the real deal can move mountains like mm-hmm. the whole faith the size of a mustard seed mm-hmm. so in some cases it's not that I just need to muster up more faith mm-hmm. inside of myself just create more in my faith pile I need to have the right kind of faith the right faith in the right person another thing if going back in the story just a little tiny bit mm-hmm. thinking about how Jesus said where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He's asking yeah. to test the <laughs> disciples. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why did he do that? Like, what was he trying to make them doubt? Was he trying to get them all worried and stuff? Or was he trying to see where their faith was? 
That's really interesting. He never intended to buy bread, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this is a thing I've never thought of before. In the Sermon on the Mount, he Jesus has a portion of that sermon where he says, mm -hmm. do not be anxious about what you will eat or what you'll put on the table tomorrow or what you'll wear. Um, doesn't God care for the sparrows and feed all of them? He cares about you more than many sparrows. That precedes this story. I wonder if it was kind of a, so guys, doesn't look like we have a lot of food here. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? <laughs> Were we listening? Were you listening? <laughs> yes. That's really good. That's so interesting. Right, right. Put that together. Yeah, because huh. he does ask them, and John tells us that he said this to test him. Mm -hmm. He said it to test Philip specifically. I don't know why. Why did he single out? <laughs> hey, yo, Phil. <laughs> what is that? Like it literally says, Jesus said to Philip. I'm laughing, not because it's ridiculous, but because like, well, it's, it, it seems funny to us, but like there's a reason. Mm -hmm. He singled out one person Poor and was Philip. like, you tell me. Mm -hmm. Pop quiz for you. Yeah, it's right. like when the teacher calls on just you to answer the question and you're like, oh, uh, uh. And then Andrew comes in just trying to help a brother out. You know, well, back maybe. Him up. Yeah. He's like, I got your back, man. And then Philip was like, wow, I didn't look as silly as Andrew did, so I feel good now. So I feel okay. Oh, and maybe the kid's hmm. the only one who passed the test. Yeah. Hmm. He does ask that question just to test him. So apparently that's his reason, Mary. He does ask a test. Yeah. But um, but maybe it is that he's testing them on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we as, mm -hmm. as we talked about before this recording, we don't get the Sermon on the Mount in John, but we know if you kind of like layer the gospel events together with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you will see based on Jesus' ministry that, yes, the Sermon on the Mount happened chronologically right before this miracle. Happened mm -hmm. right before Absolutely, that is a really interesting thing that that's what's going on, that they are getting tested. I also scratch my head when I get to these leftovers. Hmm. So the leftovers, they are part of this story that make me scratch my head. I've heard people say that there's a really significant reason behind hmm. why the leftovers are there to fill 12 baskets. And I'm just here to tell you that I don't know the answer. <laughs> But I'm scratching my head this time through reading it where Jesus, it says in verse 12, tells the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. Mm -hmm. mm. John, mm. John, you're hinting at something. What does yeah, that mean? I see a little bit of a... He's not just talking about bread, is he? Mm -hmm. The That's 12 so tribes of Israel, perhaps? Oh. I would love to go there with that. Do you have more thoughts on that? I, I It just occurred to me, just thinking about significant numbers in the Bible. You have your threes, your sevens, twelves. Yes. Traditionally, there have been 12 tribes mm -hmm. of Israel. And there are verses, too, you know, about mm -hmm. uh, I will gather them all up so that nobody may snatch them from my hand. The yeah. angels will gather up all of the good wheat and put it in the storehouse and the rest will be burned. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just spouting all of this for the first time, too. As they say, I'm here for it. It's okay. <laughs> I like that. And as am I. Um, yes, because, I mean, even the phrasing, gather up that nothing may be lost, hmm. sounds so much like you're talking, like Jesus talks about souls that way in other mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. I, they have been given to me. Like you said, no one will snatch them out of my hand and they won't be lost. Yeah, it feels, I, I, I don't want to over-spiritualize, but at the same time, this is kind of a spiritual book and a spiritual person. 
I'm looking for um, barley right now because it mentions specifically in here uh, they gathered up, they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. I can tell you about where the barley comes from. I think um, in second the miracle with Elisha also were barley loaves specifically. Mm. So it may be specifically that this is like a um, kind of like if you saw a sword stuck into a stone somewhere <laughs> in modern times, you'd be like, hmm, this makes me think of, I don't know, King Arthur. Because right. you don't see a lot of... Now, barley loaves were a little probably more common than swords <laughs> and stones. But, you know. go with me here. If you're talking about wanting to make bread stretch for a lot of people and a miraculous prophet being the one to facilitate that miracle, mm -hmm. then it just might be that mm -hmm. barley is significant for you in that case because you're like, hey, I remember this happening before. So that's one thought on that. There are so many little parallels in the Bible, and I think we will be surprised even one day in, in heaven to find little parallels in the grand story that God's told that we just never caught before. And they might be as small as, oh, look, it was barley loaves both times. They could be as big as, look, Abraham sacrificing his son on the mountain, and a, a ram is provided to take its place, is a mirror image of God sacrificing Christ, you know, for the sins of the world. Yes. Mm. Big yes. things like that. A lot of connections. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And that's why we need to read both the Old and New Testaments. Hey. As I was reading this and seeing that it ties back to a story in the Old Testament, I thought back to... When I was younger and my mom and I would read a lot of the stories in Kings and Chronicles and stuff, I loved that. I loved having those stories, as we call them, as part of like my childhood growing up. Hmm. And I don't spend as much time in that part of my Bible anymore. And the problem is the second half of your Bible is built on the first half of your Bible. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're not even halves. You know this. <laughs> yes. Put it down the middle yes. and you're still going to be in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is much larger than the New Testament. Mm. But we really do get so stuck on just what comes after. But like anybody who the New Testament happened to was an expert in the Old Testament and they mm -hmm. realized that this whole thing is a story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, got to be spending a lot more... Just to be fluent in like the whole thing, the whole story. Right. And as opposed to just knowing one part of it. Well, Paul says this. Great. Do you know why Paul said that? Because he got it from the Old Testament. <laughs> like, yeah. basically <laughs> through and through. And Jesus talks a lot about um, the scriptures and Paul does too about, you know, the scripture, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is profitable for teaching and reproof and correction. They weren't talking about the letters they were sending other churches. That wasn't necessarily considered scripture at that point. They're talking about the Old Testament and all of the stuff that, you know, Jewish boys and girls were made to memorize on the daily, you know? That is it's, such it's a good important. point. That is such a good point. Hmm. Well, they say in verse 14, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. And then they were going to make him king forcefully? Hmm. What? Like to who of us would that occur that somebody does a miracle and we've got to be like, great you're supposed to be king. We wouldn't We wouldn't have that thought in our head. Mm -hmm. But these people did because they were watching from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. They were watching mm -hmm. for a fulfillment. They were seeing that Elijah did the same miracle, less, less awesome than this version, and they're waiting for the prophet 
to come, Elijah to come and rescue them from their plight. Yes. (laughs) No one was more excited for that than some of the disciples. They were ready to kick Rome to the curb and, yeah, establish a new kingdom. Like, come on, let's get this hmm. whole thing rolling. Hmm. Now, this actually, this conversation and digging into that story with Elijah actually answers one of my questions I had written down here, which was, why did they assume Jesus was a prophet after the feeding when they had just witnessed all of that healing and everything else that Jesus had done during his ministry, Hmm. this was what made them make that connection Hmm. of, hey, this this might be the guy that we've been waiting for. Oh, wow. Why is that? Why do you think? Well, I think it's just it clicked when when he did the same miracle as Elijah and that's who they've been waiting for. They're like, hey, wait, wait, he, that's the same that's the same thing. He but did cooler. The thing. <laughs> he did the thing. <laughs> it's barley. He's king. Checking all the boxes. Bingo. He's the one. Yeah. I mean, it could have even just been a slow build-up of like, guys, this guy, he looks like the guy. This is looking really yeah. good. Oh, he did the bread thing. Uh, bread thing. I'm sold. Make him king. Make him king. Yeah. yeah. What, he retreated to a mountain, and yeah, that's Man. what he did. He, Jesus was like the Houdini <laughs> of the New Testament. He's getting out of everything. I was yeah. just gonna say, how on earth does does one escape five thousand people? <laughs> <laughs> one does not <laughs> simply. <laughs> one does not simply escape five thousand. One does not people. simply leave the mount. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. But but he did. Mm-hmm. He managed to. He did. And they were looking for to do that, and he knew it wasn't the right time. They wanted him to pick up his messianic right mm-hmm. before he was ready for it, mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. world was ready for it. And when he does, it's going to look so different than anybody expects because he doesn't publicly proclaim himself as this king. He is the king, but he right. doesn't say it until right before he's killed. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can, like, you can hardly blame the crowd for going, all right, yep, he's the king, because because of all those reasons. And it it makes me think about when in our lives, when we're waiting for God to do something that we really feel like he's, he's going to do it. It's just, when is he going to do it? Hmm. And, um, like, in, in personally in my life, I always felt like, I was someday going to be married mm. and it took me a long time to realize I needed to be content where I was mm. and stop being like, God, why, why aren't you doing this for me right now? Because I feel, I know this is your plan for me. I know that I was created. My personality f- matches that of, of someone who's married. And I, I know that someday that's the plan. Mm. But right now, it's not happening, and I need to make peace with that because I don't know the timing that yeah. God has for me. And it wasn't until I went, okay, I guess I'm just going to try to be content where I am. And even though I know this is a season, I still need to be content in it and um, be patient, which is really hard. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and it wasn't until I got to that point where God was like, okay, here you go. <laughs> Yes. So, yeah. So it's I it it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, on one hand we can look back and and read these accounts of where the the Jewish people are like, let's make him king and I always imagine it being like a very 
uh, riot-y type of mm-hmm. feeling that this crowd gets. Um, and I always sort of feel like, oh, I can't believe they would do that. How do they you not so know? Nice. Right. But then <laughs> <laughs> but then we also have the perspective of we know how that story ends. We know that God's timing was not yet come and they needed to be patient and wait. Mm. The the tough part is like yeah exactly like you said you look back and think like oh these these people oh my gosh they they just couldn't see it they how could they think this why would they try to herald him as king um, but isn't that what they have wanted like you can't tell me if you were a Jew under Roman rule Completely. you're getting taxed there's people being crucified it's a horrible place to 100%. live hundred percent you you would want him to tear down the empire and establish a new kingdom. And to hear that he wasn't going to do that, and in fact that it was going to get worse for God's <laughs> people, that would be like blatantly, God, how, what are you doing? Are you abandoning us? He like promised. This is as bad yeah. as it can be. But aren't we all so glad that that didn't happen? Mm. Like isn't what he had in store so much better? Mm. And that happens on a smaller scale in our lives too where – God, I'm single right now, and I really want to not be single. And and his plan might be, yeah, you're going to stay that way for a few years. And that feels horrible. That mm-hmm. feels like the exact opposite of what we'd pray for. But it ends up being so much better in the long run. Mm-hmm. And we look back and go, oh, I'm so glad that it happened that way right. and not my way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, being faithful to what God has shown us is good right now is all that's asked of us to be faithful where he's put us to be faithful with what he's given us Mm -hmm. to be faithful with your five loaves even if it doesn't (laughs) make sense Mm -hmm. to be faithful with following a rabbi who seems more interested in metaphor than in (laughs) societal change like you want to see happen or to be faithful in singleness when he hasn't yet given the the gift you believe he really does have in store for you. Wow. That is always a a check to come back to asking, am I being faithful with what I have been given or am I trying to get something that God hasn't given to me or shown me yet? Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.